The following is a paid presentation. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff and management of Shiawassee Radio. And I gotta put the glasses on so I look intelligent for these yeah. things, you know? <laughs> Don't want anybody to think I'm dumb. I mean, the secret might get out that the house is made of air. <laughs> this is your cell. This is your bunk. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. Live from the Cofield Oil and Propane Studios. Here's attorney Bill Amadeo. It is Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo and Grable and Associates. Tonight we have somebody that's going to make me look smarter. Josh Champlain of the Argus Press. Say what's up to the people, Josh. What's up, everybody? Um, I got Bill's football tonight, so <laughs> what up now? But thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for making the trip in, man. So tonight we're going to just talk about some Shiawassee issues. And since Josh knows more than me, um, and I can have less of a filter than you, it's actually employed in the county, so I can curse. You can. I can, and I will. Can. I can't go all <laughs> I didn't have curse, so. I can't go all Bill Amadeo. All right. So, so I'm going to start with uh, Jeremy Root. <laughs> that seems to be an issue. Yep. So you broke a story about Mr. Root, didn't you? Yep, I did that. Uh, I believe it ran Tuesday or Wednesday um, of last week, and yeah. he had apparently been texting a young lady and had offered her a job with the county. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know what that job was. Um, I, I don't think I should say what it was, but um, in exchange for sexual favors. And yeah, he uh, finally had enough and he resigned, so. So, okay, and I can have no filter here. <laughs> if a woman would have to f- Jeremy Root for a job, I'm hoping it had seven figures involved. Uh, no. Okay. No, I didn't. Too bad. didn't. That seems like a hell of a task. She actually would have been taking a pink cut. Wow. Yeah. So she would lose money to hook up with Jeremy Root. Yeah, in theory. Yeah. That seems like a lose-lose proposition right now. I, you know, <laughs> I, I don't think I can comment on that, but I, I don't envy her either way. And who <clears throat> took the pictures that were provided to FOIA? So here's the weird thing, okay. is that... These pictures, um, I talked to the Pleasant View director, and um, she told me that they were sent to her by Commissioner Cindy Garber. Now, this Cindy is, Garber. Cindy Garber. This is not a state secret. I'm not making things up. They've been dating since at least mid 2018, right? I talked to her ex-husband. He told me he had to get a court order to keep Jeremy Root from his house while he was out on the road as a truck driver. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why she took the pictures. All I know is that she took them. Apparently, and this again, that's what I'm told. My impression is that she was trying to get this girl in trouble. So, so it was like the claws came out almost, right? Like she's upset I, that her man's talking to this woman. I, I mean, from appearances, that's what it seems yeah. to be. So, so let me get this straight. Jeremy Root is in the middle of a potential love triangle. Hey, is that really? Holy. Shit. Um, I always here. thought, you know, when I walk into Shiawassee, like, people really admire me, but if I'm looking at, if that's the competition, like, I'm a pretty better looking guy than Jeremy Root. It's like, it, and I love Shiawassee, it's my home, I've lived there for over three years now, but it's like Alice in Wonderland over there, man, it is. So Jeremy Root gets women? I, I can't say whether it actually pans out, but he certainly tries. So, I, I mean, you know, I, I tried to play Major League Baseball, it didn't work out, so <laughs> we all, we all got to try things sometimes. So. Well, yeah, hey, shoot high, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So, but. it's well documented that our firm applied to be the lawyers of the Board of Commissioners, and we offered 50, we then proposed 50 grand a year, with 10 grand going back to the mental health court. Yep. And what we were going to do was get a young lawyer office space up there. Get him on a court appointment, a groom and associate for the future. And all I can say is, I was met with so much hostility there. What was that all about? Well, I, and I remember exactly what you're talking about. I actually have all those emails. Um, yeah, you were copied. I was, I was copied. On <laughs> copied them. I had the original um, proposal, like you said, completely accurate. Mm-hmm. Fifty grand, ten k mental health court, which you know I'm ten thousand percent behind. Um, basically, that just kind of devolved into. And I saw your video with uh, Garber and, and what she said. <laughs> Honestly, 
I think that they reacted that way because they knew that me and you were friends. Makes and sense. I just, I just, it devolved and it became personal. And I have a better relationship with the board for the most part now. But, um, you know, it, it, that just spiraled out of control with the whole Ryan Painter situation. And they just kept digging themselves deeper and deeper. So, and so. I'll be a little more arrogant than you. Because I think you're the best journalist in Michigan. Why would a great journalist and a great lawyer being friends upset the board? I have no, I no idea, but my educated guess is that this was engineered months in advance and that they had planned on this and we're not exactly open and transparent about it. So, right. you know, you come in with a better offer and better representation. We, we it. came in with a whole firm and buying office space. We were going to f***ing buy office space <laughs> in Shiawassee to walk with 40k a year, and I heard it was a money grab for me. Now, I don't talk about what I make a year. I have 96 capital cases. Do you think, <laughs> let's just for and giggles, guys, do you think that's more than 40 grand a year? I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm going to estimate that's on the low end, you know? <laughs> But uh, I, I'm just, it was so confusing. And I watched these more. I love Marley Webster. Who was the idiot that was saying, um, we do things to shy ones? Was that Plowman or was it Marks? That was Brandon Marks. Marks, yeah. yeah. His face got really red. You know, um, funny aside, uh, well, never mind. I shouldn't go into that. You know what bothered me about that? Because usually, like, I've cultivated this bald look. It's hard to be a good looking <laughs> bald man. You know, I, I, I work it though, you know? And I thought, hey, my bald brother up there. But the, he came like a tomato. It was like, beat red. You can't do that, Chiawasi. <laughs> like, what the f***, dude? I, did, I wasn't watching it live, but I think I saw it later that night or maybe the next day. And I'm just like, what is their problem here? Like, so, playing the games with the starting your time and stuff. And I'm just like, what What are you guys doing? Like, so, you'll let the local Facebook blogger go up and talk for five and a half minutes and, and don't stop him at the three minutes time. And it's like... It was funny because Jen Kelly was there with me that night, right? Yep. And Jennifer looks at me after I spoke <laughs> and she goes, are these people crazy? And I'm like, I don't know. I think I said to Mark, you got a problem? Yeah. You're down right, we got a problem. And the next day, wasn't the next day that Root was banging down his gab when they gave Ryan Painter a job for 104k a year? Yeah, after they added it to the agenda. It was on everyone's agenda except the one they gave to Marlene Webster. Funny how that works. So they snuck it onto the agenda at the last minute, and they were just really sneaky and underhanded about it. And they said, you know, forget Judge Lestraco, and we're gonna do this, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Here's what pissed me off. I, you know, you don't like me. I'm gonna, you know, but Judge Lestraco, a respected jurist who donated his life as a civil servant to make Shiawassee a better place, got treated with such venom, like from these idiots. How could you disrespect that man? He's made Shiawassee a better place for decades. Yeah, I've I've um, I've only talked to him a few times, um, including once when uh, Kim Shipman retired and he just couldn't run out of good things to say about her. Great lady. Kim was great, man. And and Judge, Judge Lestraco just seems like a really nice guy, like genuinely honest, and uh, you know, for him to show up to a county board meeting and put his opinion right. on the record was very surprising and then they just nope whatever so yeah it seemed um and then painter got the job for 104k a year yeah wasn't painter the campaign manager for robert hino Jose? no okay um that was i've heard well i've heard it was a former county commissioner who i won't identify and I know I supported Scott Cornery election. Scott won, right? <laughs> oh, by a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. By a little bit, yeah. We say a little bit, it was like a shit load. I, it was probably 65 35. Yeah, yeah, like okay. That. So. Uh, that's okay. Robert could do his quarter point at work and try to make it through the day. I, yeah, I mean, I, he was, I think he got 15 grand from Shiawassee County last year for uh, quarter point at work. Wow. So. That's, um. Might be more, but. <laughs> He, he farms out some cases from the Good for him, man. Good for him. I, I don't get along with him. When he was a prosecutor in Lapeer, we had some issues. He kind of, when I started doing criminal, he would just give me, like, dirty looks. <laughs> Things have changed a little bit. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, anyway, neither here nor there. So tell me, what is the vibe with the Board of Commissioners now? 
Where are we at with things? It's, I think last week with Root's resignation was a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. um, I think Greg Broder is, he's an honest guy. He's trying to do the right thing. Um, Marlene, I'm on the record for supporting her. Um, if it weren't for her, that whole ARPA funds scandal, we might not even know about it. Right. And, you know, I think it was a step in the right direction. I think Root should have resigned when that happened completely from the board. It, it just, yeah. it would have started to make us whole. Um, it, that's, you know, one bad apple off the board. Um, I think there need to be some more changes. Um, it looks like the recall thing is not gonna be successful. Um, they should have started that sooner. Um, but I think the voters are going to make some changes. Hello, District 6. I'm talking to you. <laughs> and uh, we'll see what happens um, come November. It was funny because Cindy Garber said to me in the email, the voters have spoken. Isn't it true that a lot of voters just voted our... Well, let, me, let me put it this way. Okay. Joe Ibera ran for sheriff against Brian Bagol. Right. Okay. Now, Joe got, I want to say, 12,000 votes, 13,000 As a Democrat. As a Democrat. Right. Brian Bagol got twelve or 13,000 straight ticket votes. Right. You cannot win as a Democrat in Chiavasa County. For the most part, it's possible, but it's just, it's about 60, 65, 30, 35, you know, so, or 40, 35. It's a Republican county. It's a Republican county. Um, with that being said, we both know Joe Abair. Yep. Joe Abair's a great guy. Yep. Joe Abair would be a great sheriff. I think he would be, and um, I think his integrity would never be questioned. And if Joe Abair decides to run again, in my opinion, we talked about this privately, he needs to run in the primary. He needs to run as a Republican in the primary and knock the hell out of a goal. Because I'll put money behind Joe Abair. We were friendly during this election, but not like we are now. Joe and I are pretty close. I'll put big money behind Joe, because I think Joe wants to do the right thing. I think he does, too, and, and Joe's a very well-informed guy, yeah. and, and I'm lucky to call him a friend, um, him and Aaron. Aaron's but, great, yeah. But I think, like you said, you either have to primary whoever the Republican yeah. incumbent is or run as an independent. And Joe actually tried to do that um, in the last election, but there was some funny business um, with filing and... He, he could explain it better than me, but there was some funny business that went on with him basically being forced to run as a Democrat as, as opposed uh, to running as an independent. Well, the board of commissioners, at least in the current form, wouldn't want Joe Avera as the sheriff. No. You know, they... No. Anybody who would actually have balls and speak freely would be repressed by the board in its current form. In my opinion, I, I think you're right, but I think that's changing. Um, I you think, think there's hope? I think there's hope. I do. Um, okay. I think Root was was the first, you know, straw. I think the voters are going to make some changes, um, but the reason they've gotten along, gotten away with it for so long, these just soap opera shenanigans, is because it's been Root, Garber, Plowman. Holtzhausen or Marx with a permanent majority voting block that act in their own best interests. Anybody who pays attention to the board can see that. Now, everybody knows that um, I have a lot of admiration for Scott Corner. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you where that admiration comes from. Scott was a badass criminal defense lawyer. Yep. So when I started my career in criminal defense, he was there like a seasoned veteran. And I learned a lot by watching him. And I always respect the prosecutor that's been on my side because you see both ends of the coin. What's the vibe on Scott Corner right now in Shiawassee? Scott is doing well. Um, I know trials are paused and everything um, right now because of COVID. Believe me, I want them to start back up. That's my bread and butter. Yeah. That's how I make yeah. my. That's how I make my paper right there. But you know, Scott is. He he can only do what he can do with there not being any trials, and I get it. You know, his caseload just keeps backing up and backing up and backing up. But you know, I've seen Scott prosecute a bunch of trials and don't let his you know soft-spoken demeanor fool you he is a stone-cold killer in the courtroom you know and, we were arguing over a case one day right <laughs> and um so i had a client who he was accused of going to meet a 15 year old to get oral sex and i'm fighting like hell for this guy right and i worked really hard in the case i got the guy a great deal like i found all the loopholes and all and i said to scott 
this was hysterical. I said to Scott, and I did facial recognition, and she wasn't 15 in the face, it was 19. And Scott goes, I'm sure your client did facial recognition too before he went to try and get a play job. <laughs> and it was Scott's way of saying, Bill, go f yourself. And I respected I, that so much, that, man. You know? See, that's what I'm talking about, yeah. Scott. Don't underestimate that dude, because he's, he's a good attorney. And here's Scott, who comes on like a quiet, nice guy. He was about to slit my throat. <laughs> and he's like, Bill, you're full of this one. Right. You know? It's... It's funny, you guys, and, and I've seen it with you and Scott and you and um, other prosecutors, but it's like, I'm amazed that you can go just to absolute war with, with Scott or whoever, whatever prosecutor it is, and then you guys walk out into the hallway of a, of, from the office of Chambers or whatever, and it's like, oh, it's, what are we doing now? You want to go get lunch? But, yeah, it's, I, I, I think the world is Scott. I think he's doing really well, and I think... He's going to serve in that capacity for as long as he wants to. Yeah, I think Shia Wasika is lucky to have a stock corner. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've been to wars with a lot of that people in that office. There's some I don't care for. Um, Gee, who do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you one who I did care a lot for, who I hated for a while, was Chris Brown. Mm -hmm. And um, I could say if that matter were to go to trial, I'll be sitting with Doug Corwin as a trial lawyer. But I think things might work. So. Is it... Doug doing that? Like, yeah. Is it yeah. Yeah, Doug and I, Chris, yeah. I kind of viewed, like, you know, Chris was the type of guy who, we want to kill each other, but afterwards we go hang out and talk sports. Yeah. Um, I always got along great with Chris. You know this. Um, yeah. I, I considered him, and hopefully do, still consider him a friend. It was just an unfortunate situation, and uh, I'm sure he'll continue to kick ass and be a fantastic attorney. And, and he is a fantastic lawyer. He is. He is in a courtroom, at trial, he's the best prosecutor right. I've ever seen. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't say he's better than some of the defense lawyers. Well, I was, <laughs> I was waiting for you guys to go head-to-head, -head, man. I'm like, I was like, man, these guys are going to, somebody's going to get a win in this thing, and they're going to be out boxing in the parking lot afterwards. Chris said to me once at a trial we were going to have, he said, oh, you're friends with Josh. He goes, you're going to play this thing out in the press? I said, number one, Josh wouldn't do that. Number two, no, I want to beat the you in court and that we it set the tone for yep. things because we were like at each other's throats on this one case i can't remember what case that was but i was getting ready for trials and that's right when they got cut off yeah yeah well yeah i'll just move on from that right now yeah, that's, 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 I, don't, I don't think we need to say anything we'll move on to the next topic yeah. right there yeah how um so judge matthew stewart yep role model mine it's a guy who's taught me so much What's yep. the vibe on him and Shiawassee right now? Uh, same thing with Scott. I mean, I've gotten to know Judge Stewart somewhat well or as well as I can in my position sure. while covering his court in a fair and objective manner. Um, but, you know, Judge Stewart um, answered any questions I, I have. Um, I, I enjoy covering the, the treatment courts. You know, my neighbor, as a matter of fact, uh, graduated from drug court last year. And, you know, the community... Not to put it too strongly, but the community is completely behind Judge Stewart. Yeah. And, and he does a fantastic job, and he, he's like a mentor to me, too. Yeah. You know, I can't cross that line into saying we're friends, but, you know, I'd say we're, we're on good terms, definitely. He, so I wanted to be a judge at one point in my career, and I went to him for advice. He told me, the type of man you are is the type of judge you'll be. And I really took it to heart. Then I realized, yeah, I'm a pretty good guy, but um, I'm a criminal defense lawyer. <laughs> So I probably should not be seeking the black robe. I do think um, for you guys out there that are wondering if I'm running for Washington um, County Judge, Circuit Court Judge in 2024, I predict in 2024 I'll be doing criminal defense work. It's good to know where you belong. Yeah, yeah you know, kinda, you got to find what you're good at. Yeah, I kind of belong with criminal defense. Yeah. Just... You can't, Bill, let's, let's say you ran for judge in one circuit here. <laughs> you can't just go up on the bench and start throwing F-bombs. No. Go, you know, call I, people names. I wonder if any of my opponents will look at my Facebook lives and use it against me. <laughs> Jesus. I, man, you've, you've been, I've had some people in Corona be like, wow, did you see Bill's Facebook live? And I was like, yeah, mm. I saw it. Like, he just really lets it all loose, doesn't yeah, he? Well, like, that's why we're friends, yeah. yeah. Well, I only get to see my shrink once a week, so it just kind of <laughs> helps me a lot, you know, when I get on these things. Yeah. The, 
I will say that I think the drug court and the mental health court in Shiawassee, and I've been, I'm in 17 counties right now. I think they're so far ahead of the curve. And I think it's amazing what Sari and Sari Colbury and Liz Pierce and the Chrissy Lab do on a limited budget. Yeah. You know, in Washington, we have access to all sorts of money. And the 15th, yeah. Yeah, the 15th district court does a good job, but it's only misdemeanors. They're trying to implement it in felony court with surf court. I, me and the prosecutor in Washington kind of are not on good terms right now. Because we were working on that together. I don't think I'm one it there. And I think it's the feeling's mutual. With that being said, though, I did advise everybody that if you want to see a model and a blueprint for how it's supposed to work, you look at Shiawassee. Because yeah. if Shiawassee had the money that Washington has, the things they would do are insane. Because what they do on a limited budget, people forget it's a small county. You know, you don't have the type of grant money that an Oakland County or a Washington County can have. Well, and I think part of that is thanks to uh, Chrissy Lamb, because she's the one that writes those grants for she's... the treatment courts. In 2021 fiscal year, um, was the, it was and is going to be the first year that Shiawassee County got over a million dollars federal and state grants. And, and well like, deserved. Hell yeah. You know. so. Chrissy, yeah, she's a brilliant mind, and I know... I don't think she likes writing grants, but she's a hell of a grant writer. Yeah, but she's getting a lot better at it because I don't know if it's done by population or just whoever writes the best grants, you know, and they kind of dole out the money that way, but they, she killed it for 2021, no doubt. I can't speak for Crystal. I think there's, like, magic buzzwords you need to put in there. It's like making an appeal. Right. You know, and appeals in the criminal justice system are brutal. So I imagine getting grant money is on easy task. I don't they don't just hand it over to you. No. You know, you no. have to really show here's what we need it for, here's what we're gonna implement it, and then show where all the beans are counted. Well, I'm I'm on the record too for supporting um, drug court, mental health court, flight court, veterans court, they're trying to get that going. It's just a lot of hurdles to overcome. But um, you know, I I support the programs hundred percent. My next door neighbor graduated. You know, and I won't use his name, but he's probably watching right now. What do you think of the program? He told me, he said, you know, it was the best decision I ever made in my life. You know, he said I could have done, and it was a felony OWI situation. Mm-hmm. And this not even a week ago, I talked to him. But he said, you know, if I had it to do over again, I'd do it. You know, I was facing probably not prison, but, you know, a significant jail sentence with guidelines. And, you know, I could have done the time, no problem, but I would have gotten out and just done the same. So, but he's, he's doing well. He's doing really well. People always say to me, because, you know, I have to do a lot of work in Detroit, a lot of work in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. And I always consider Shiawassee like a second home, maybe even a first home. I like the 90-minute drive to Chi-Town. Why, let me ask you, why is the social media presence in Shiawassee deeper than a Macomb County or a Washington? It's amazing, because I know I... Here's an example. We were at the Sham Comstock one night eating dinner. Mm-hmm. And there was a waitress there, not Nina, another girl I didn't know. And she said to me, hey, you were really good in court today. I'm like, oh, thanks. Did you have a loved one there? She goes, no, no, I was just watching. People watch the court proceedings like... Yes, they do. So tell me about that. What? How'd that happen? Well, I, there's, there's an old saying. I don't even remember the first time I heard it, but it's yeah, all politics is local. And, and, and that's, Shiawassee County is a perfect example of it because, you know, I've been at, I've been at the paper for three and a half years now and it's, I moved here and I was surprised too. I'm like, what? People, I think, I think social media plays such a big role in Shiawassee County because the people like Jeremy Roots and I could name names all day, but I'm not going to work so hard to keep these things from being public that the public who is connected with you know law enforcement attorneys they find these things out and these aren't stupid people you know they find these things out they know how to file FOIAs and they want you know as a journalist I'm an idealist because I believe in complete government transparency sure that's never going to happen but in a perfect world, that's what I'd like to see happen. But I think there's a lot of people in Chiawessa County that have seen this stuff covered up and swept under the rug, and they're sick of it. And they're going to blast it all over. And you've, you've seen it. I've oh, seen yeah. it. I have been blasted on social media in Chiawessa. <laughs> He's defending that piece of sh- Okay, before we try the person in the media, can I tell you my side of the story? You know, And I think I have enough presence in Chiawessa now where... 
when I have a client, even if they don't like them, they're going to give me some latitude to make an argument. Um, and court's always fair, but I mean, Facebook's brutal. Well, <laughs> it's just it, always... it is. There's no doubt, but um, you know, I I kind of feel the same way. I've covered trials where people I thought were innocent were convicted, yeah, and people that I thought were guilty were exonerated, and it's like you have to respect the jury's decision. Yeah, you do. You that's, do. That's all there is to it. And you need to know who your audience is. And I will say that uh, here's the problem with out-of-county lawyers in Shiawassee. And Scott Quinn and I talked about this. You need to learn how to speak Shiawassee if you work in that court. You don't show up late in Shiawassee. Not That's Judge a big Stewart's no, courtroom. No. Mm-hmm. You know what? And I respect that. And if I'm going to be late because I'm triple booked, I call ahead and I respect the court. And I see too much. And this, I love Wayne County, okay, guys? I know I do a lot of work in Wayne. Wayne County has a wild west though all right <laughs> today um you don't know what a judge is going to do i had a big dismissal today and it's an old school judge and i'm drinking a bottle of water and she screams me put down that water mr amadeo and i was going to say hey there's no vodka in there but i, think I better <laughs> shut up because she's the boss right now right yeah there's other times though when i stand up when a judge walks in and people are looking at me like, what are you doing? What are you, why would you do that? Because it's the judge. Yeah, that's the rules. So there's no set rules. What I love about Shiawassee is there is a set of rules. Yeah. You act professional at all times. You show up on time. If you're prepared, and judge still will let you advocate. Even if it's like your client, he will let you advocate. He will give you leeway to advocate, which is what a circuit court judge is supposed to do. doesn't always work like that. Yeah. And we've only got the one. Right. So He's yeah. the king. That's, you know, Judge, <laughs> Judge Stewart runs his show, he runs his ship, you know, tight, and uh, he's, you know, I've told you this before, but say I'm covering a plea deal, and then they're going back and forth with this with the, you know, scoring challenges or whatever. It's like watching a tennis match. It's like, boom, boom, boom. Right. It's just so quick and precise. It's it's almost like a ritual, almost. It's, it's, it's yeah, when it's... they really get into it. It's just, there's no breaks. It's just boom, 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 boom. It's like, wow. Yeah. You got to be on your game. Yeah. You, you cannot show up to Shiawassee and not be on your game. I've And when they don't come in on their game, they get run over. I, I've, <laughs> I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. You know, I, I would say most out-of-county lawyers, when they see me in Shiawassee, they, um, they don't really understand. Like, I think you got to speak a different language everywhere you go. The way you practice in Shy Town is not the way you practice in Macomb and so on and so forth. I almost feel like you're doing your client a disservice if you don't learn the lay of the land. And yeah, and I've I've covered I've covered trials in um, you Saginaw, Saginaw right? Genesee County. You see a um, difference? It, it, huge difference, night and day. Right. And you know, I've I've covered stuff in Clinton County where. Um, Judge Tavonin, I think he's aged out now. Yeah, Randy Tavonin. Yeah. yeah, and he he was, you know, a little more. I don't want to say light, but informal in a way. Yeah. But you know, going into Judge Stewart's room, courtroom, I would never expect that coming from Judge Stewart. You know, it's all business. Yeah. All the time in his court. So. At Judge Tavonin, I worked under him before, <coughs> and very different vibe there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, I've seen people that I've. There's this, I won't mention the individual's name, but a big-time lawyer in a county that starts with the letter W. <laughs> and huh, okay. they came into Chi-Town, and Scott Corner not just ran them over, shredded them. They were not prepared. They were not this. They were not that. And that individual has never been the same. It was like a ball player that got hit in the face with a baseball, and they're now scared of the inside pitch. And I'm watching it, and I told the individual, because what happened was with this person, they showed up late one day, right? And I said to them, hey, you need to be on time next time. And they were running these prelims. And in this case, it was really stupid to run the prelim. Why wouldn't they just wave it? Why wouldn't they wave it, right? So I said, hey, you should wave the prelim. And the person said, go f*** yourself. I do what I do. Okay. Okay. Well, that works in Detroit, maybe. It doesn't work here. You know, and made more work for Scott. Scott was um, an APA at that point. He wasn't a head prosecutor, but he literally destroyed this person. And they thought because Scott was quiet and they're more boisterous. I tell you, when the lights come on, man. <laughs> it's, it's, 
Yeah, I'm sure going to go slit your throat. <laughs> I'm sure they weren't the first to make that mistake. So. No, he's a badass lawyer. Yeah, he, is. he is. So, how's the political vibe overall outside the board of commissioners? What's else going on? I, I think, other than the board of commissioners, um, and I think that there's some positive change that started there. I think we're fine in district and circuit courts. We're doing exactly what we're supposed to be. Um, other than that, you know, I don't, I don't want to be too critical here and identify anyone by names, but there's people I don't get along with in Corona, sure. in law enforcement, mm -hmm. <laughs> elected law enforcement, not to be too specific. I understand. And, you know, it's just, you, you do your job. I've done my job to the best of my ability, and I've broken some a lot of stories for the paper. And... You, it's always the oh they they don't like me or they're biased or you know the standard fake news fallback defense and that's like these people don't realize you know this I've told you I met you in what August nineteen I think yeah. right around yeah. Perry City Councilman yeah Queen House it's like man this dude's a, it's like man these guys are about their business but uh, oh the Queen House yeah yeah that was Mayor like, Hewlett yeah well he he decided not to seek another term but um you know it's just they'll, they'll personally attack you and it's like you know i don't put my name on a story unless i know for a fact everything and it's true i don't guess you know and it's like i'm not as unprofessional as you are so don't assume i am but other than that i think we're doing pretty good um i think the the arpa funds with the bonuses was just a tipping point. People were sick of it. And, and that made national news. That that was in uh, the Daily Mail in the United Kingdom. <laughs> it was in the Times of <laughs> India. This thing went around the it world. It went around the world. It did. Yeah. I, as a matter of fact, I went to um, Colorado for my cousin's wedding in September, and I had people out there asking me about it. They're like, hey, you're from Michigan. Do you know about this whole voting to give themselves bonuses thing i was like not only do i know about it i work for the newspaper in that town and we're the ones that broke the story so you know it just it made the rest of us look bad yeah and i think since then everyone's kind of kept that in mind like you know don't make the rest of us look bad do the right thing what blows me away is i would think the board of commissioners and the courts would be aligned because i see the circuit court run the perfection mm -hmm. i see the board of commissioners run like it's a blind man driving a fucking uber <laughs> yeah that that's just sorry i no i'm not a fan of the board of commissioners as it in its current form i like marley webster i don't know about rodor um i hope he's a good guy i've never met him and he certainly wasn't part of my drama yeah you know but you know i watched marlene like i mean i thought root was going to hit her the one night i was watching like what kind of man even talks to a woman like that? He's a bully. Yeah, he is. Yeah. All right, it's just disgraceful. Joe Barry, you missed it, but we were, like, preaching about your next campaign. So, you know. I can't endorse candidates, but... I can. Joe. <laughs> primary, we'll write you a check. <laughs> I will endorse you right now. There you have it. All right, so, all right, well, um, we need to do this more often. We need to pick out some topics. I'll come to you. You come here, whatever. But yeah. we got to – people were pretty excited seeing you here. And you, you know, you're a smarter one of the two. I just have to – I could say well, I could say whatever I, I want. Oh, I, you should hear me in the newsroom. I can <laughs> come up with all sorts of interesting I, swear You words. should see me on Facebook. You can watch me on Facebook sometimes, right? Yeah. yeah so, you know, I, I would never behave like this in a Shiawassee um, courtroom. But I sure as hell would do it in an Ann Arbor law office. <laughs> so – um, you see the Mike Tyson punch out? I see that right there. See, Mike Tyson's autographed, autographed that. It's autographed. Yeah. That thing is sweet. I'll tell you what, man. They told me in my fours I'd become more mature. I'm proving it right there. I've still <laughs> never beat that game. Uh, yeah, it's, I wasn't good at it. And that's Mario as the ref. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mario had some interesting things. Those were the days. All right. Well, Josh Champlain from the Argus Press. We will do a lot more of this. Good to be here with you. I see you in court all the time up in Shiawassee, yeah. but don't see each other enough. But yeah, that's the nature of being busy. So good to be here. Appreciate it.
the jail visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. There's a bigger world in us. I posted a song today. I was listening to my Spotify Law School playlist. And Paper Thin Him by Anne Boleyn came on. And it got me thinking about a lot of things from 2006, which was a very unique year. And I get a text from an ex-girlfriend. And she says to me, and I quote, I can't believe you put our song on Facebook. She says, why would you do that? Are you kidding me? That was not about you. But I gotta tell you, you inspired me because I had a little bit of a writer's block for content tonight, and you kind of opened my eyes to some stuff. So, with that being stated, I am Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo and Grable and Associates, and this is the Jail Visit Content Show. We're going to hit three topics tonight. 2006, we'll talk about the year in general, and Paper Thin Hymn by Anne Boleyn, very special song, and I'm going to break that song down tonight, and to the ex-girlfriend, I assure you, that post was not about you, and I'll explain what the post was about, but sure as hell was not about you. Number two, facts about first term of law school, what about the bullshit, why you shouldn't be briefing, you should be practicing multiple choice, I know Cooley won't be thrilled about that, but hey. When the fuck's cool you ever been thrilled about anything I have to say? And then St. James Christmas shows when no talent tries to create talent. We're kicking it back to grammar school. It's 2006. I'm in law school. You know, come around the home stretch at this point. And, you know, it was a tough year, to say the least. Now, as some people know, that was the year a certain girl and I broke up. I won't mention her name. Some of you know the story, some of you don't. She rolled for the older guy with uh, more money at the time. So in 2006, I get a call from back home. And yeah, me and that girl broke up. That's true. That was a small piece of this puzzle. But in 2006, I'm told that mom's ovarian cancer has basically spread. It's really bad. Mom doesn't have much time to live, right? And Aunt Mare basically told me I had to make all decisions for Mom. Now, Mom was somebody who I said, in addition to giving birth to me at a very young age, she was like a big sister to me. And I have to deal with the consequences while in law school, while paying off my family's mortgage in Ventnor, that I'm probably going to make the decisions medically for Mom, which is going to lead to her death. And if there's one thing about the breakup from 2006 really hit home was we split, right? Relationships and guys, you know. But I remember calling her. I needed a friend to talk to because, you know, mom's dying. And I felt that she was somebody who was really religious or so I thought. And um, I needed to talk to her about it and she blew me off. And that was that. Um... I can say a lot about that individual, but I'm going to respect the privacy of our relationship. You know, she's got a husband, she's got kids. There's been a lot of things that have happened over the last, Christ, what is it, 16 years now? With that being said, she was a small part of it, not a major part. What really hit me about this song was death, you know? You have to deal with the crisis of losing loved ones and still have to maintain what you got going on. What I had going on was my ticket out of the ghetto. I'm in law school. The family's in the suburbs. Um, so here's the deal. When you're talking about being in law school and you got your family in the suburbs, you have there's no option to fail. If you fall flat in your face, you don't just punish yourself. You're punishing them. Mom's going to die. And, you know, the lyrics were really powerful. I pulled them up. I'll talk about them a little bit. But um, the third stanza, 
If I could turn around, I would tonight. These roads never seem so long. Here's what that means. If I could turn around, I would tonight. What that meant to me was maybe I should be back in Jersey. Do I put law school on hold and just be a caretaker for my mom? Now, I don't know how much time she's got left. She's a fighter. There's the financial aid component at that time. At that time, finances were a pivotal part of things. And, you know, these roads never seemed so long. To me, that was the 850-mile drive from Michigan to Fentner. Do I just take a term off? Do I take two terms off? I don't f***ing know what to do. I know that school's not going to stop, right? And then these these things hit you, like, do you transfer to Rutgers? And if I do, do I lose credits? What's the effect of my financial aid? I had the grades for it at that point. What do I do? I don't know. Mom's priority number one. Mom does not want me coming home. I mean, part of her did, but she knew I was building a life in Michigan, and I was doing well in law school, and there was hope she was going to make it through. So the goal was to make sure Aunt Mary and Mom were financially secure. And let me be clear about that. Or just a journalist full-time in law school. So law school for me wasn't your traditional thing. To me, law school was like having two children at home. And those two children, my aunt, my mom. I don't have any biological children. But I felt like my aunt and my mother were like my kids. They were my responsibility. That was put on me from a young age. And I'm grateful for that in so many ways. What do I do now? Because I can support them financially, but can I support them emotionally? As you delve deeper into that song, who's going to call on Sunday morning? Who's going to drive you home? I just want one more chance to put my arms in fragile hands. I thought you said forever. Stop for a minute. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, Mom and I talked on the phone for an hour. So, when the singer is talking about who's going to call on Sunday morning, if you look up the song, it was about a relationship. It was about his 29-year-old sister that died. And I knew as mom was getting sicker, those calls on Sunday morning couldn't happen. And those calls were basically my equivalent of mental health therapy. Um... It's still weird not to talk to Aunt Mary and Mom on Sunday mornings. It just is. As far as the who's going to drive you home, when Mom was getting sick, she was still working in the casino. She couldn't drive. So I actually paid people to drive her home that I used to work with. They were getting off at the same time. And, you know, as far as who's going to drive you home, you realize that's not going to be a problem anymore. And by it not being a problem anymore, it became emotionally traumatizing. Um, I just want one more chance to put my arms in fragile hands. I thought you said forever. From the youngest of ages, I mean, I think most people have this relationship with their mother, but we're going to get through this shit, Billy. We're going to be together forever. And that's not realistic. But I wanted to fix the cancer. I wanted to fix what was hurting mom. And I couldn't, obviously. You know, in 2007, um, I was driving home from Jersey with Chuck Tempia. He was a little school friend. And he picked me up, and I hugged mom goodbye, and you could see in her eyes we were never going to see each other again. And that came back to that song. This song was like therapy for me. It wasn't about some girl that left me for a guy who had more money at the time. By the way, how's that going today? Gotta stop. Um, with that being said, it was not about you. It was about my mother. In 2006, I knew was maybe going to be the last year of mom's life. I knew that. And it, she died in 2007. And if you listen to that song, 
that song is powerful. It's about a loved one passing. And more importantly, guys, it's about a loved one passing too early. At some time in life, guys, we're all going to die. It's a fact of life, right? But when we're taken too young, mom was taken too young. Bobby Reyes was taken too young. That's what the song is about. And as I'm driving back from Shiawassee today, and I flipped into my um, law school playlist on Spotify, and it was weird because my law school playlist, it's funny, when I first got Spotify, I started making these playlists, like a kid with a mixtape, right? And the law school one was, um, I don't know, the third or fourth one. It was one I hadn't seen in a while, I hadn't heard in a while. And here we are, and for some reason I'm flipping it. I'm just, I'm going through song after song after song. And uh, this song came up, and I hadn't listened to it in a while. And it just struck me, and I played it over and over again. I thought of Mom, and I posted on Facebook tonight. And I thought, wow, how the hell is 2006, 15, 16 years ago? But it was about mom. It wasn't about you. You know who I'm talking about. I know you're watching this right now. And let me be clear, man. I I hope things are cool with you. I really do. Um, it was what it was. But to have that much ego to think that the song about my mother's death, in my opinion, was about you, that's kind of crazy. 2006 was a rough year. You were a small part of that but a very small part of that. My family was a large part of that. Law school was a large part of that. Life will not stop turning and twisting, you know? It just happens. And in some ways, I find peace in that song. And in other ways, um, sadness, you know? I wish Mom and Aunt May were here today. I really do. Miss them every day. I wish... I could, I know what I could do for them today financially that I couldn't do back then. We never got the timing right, you know. I took care of them, but their life would be much, much easier if they were here today, and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for them. I know they're watching over me. I was blessed to have Mom, Aunt Mare, and Miss Scandia. I had three strong mother figures in my life. I was raised by two women. And Miss Scandia, my journalism teacher, was clearly a third mother figure to me. And these three powerful individuals from different walks of life all played a vital role in making whatever the hell this is. But, you know, music's a powerful thing. I think you need to put songs in their historical context because music really talks to you. And while I was never a great musician, I sang for a little bit, I wasn't great. Anybody in Jersey could tell you, I kind of sucked. But there was something, there was like a release, like a therapy aspect to just blasting your music. And that's what Paper Thin Hymn was about. About thinking of mom. Really about thinking about mom. First term of law school. Let's break that down a little bit. I get a lot of young kids contact me about advice on your first term of law school. Alright, let me start with this one. We say first term of law school. And this is nothing against Cooley. And I know Cooley doesn't like me. That's cool, I'm not losing sleep at night. With that being said, Cooley has a method the way they teach things. And personally, I feel the way they teach first-termers is counterproductive. You should not spend so much time briefing. What you gotta do is read your text, right? Read the cases, get the online briefs. Don't waste your time briefing. Now, it doesn't mean I don't want you to work. What it means is this. I want you to spend all your time doing multiple choice and writing essays. The Socratic method in law school, in my opinion, is one of the biggest scams you'll ever see. At some point, somebody's going to sue a law school because they don't teach you how to be a lawyer. Here's the concept, guys. You have to take the LSAT to get into law school. 
then you have to get the grades to sit for the bar. Then you have to get a high enough score on the bar to practice law. And by the way, none of these three things have a goddamn thing to do with each other. When you're in that first term of law school, these professors make you do the Socratic method, which means, hey, we're going to sit down, we're going to do attendance, we're going to scare the shit out of some kids by making them recite a case, and there's very little teaching that gets done. It's a sham, guys. What you have to do, read your cases, that's not what's going to make you on game day. Do those goddamn multiple choice. Multiple choice is the key to success in law school and the bar exam. First impression, okay? Let's break this down. Before your professors look at your essays, they know your raw score in a multiple choice. They put that in the Scantron, right? Think of it like a dating relationship. Somebody could have the greatest personality in the world. They could be witty, they could be smart, whatever. But if you don't find them physically attractive, you may never get to learn about those other attributes. Well, multiple choices about physical attraction. If I did well enough on the black letter law, that's what multiple choice is, they're going to look at my essays favorably. If I did bad on the multiple choice, it's like an unattractive person trying to score with a real pretty person. That's not going to work. You have to make MCs the top priority. Because the essays are more about what being a lawyer is about, but you don't get that option if you don't kill your multiple choice. What you should do is practice multiple choice like there's no tomorrow. And the key to multiple choice, look for wrong answers. Don't look for right answers. People who really excel in law school with ease are the ones who look for flaws in others. The people that always look for the bright side of things have a difficult time. Let's say there's four choices, right? A, B, C, and D. C is the answer. But B kind of looks good. You can talk yourself into a wrong answer. Look for the wrong answers. Here's the deal. If we have a hundred multiple choice, right? And there's four answer choices on each one. There's 400 answer choices. 300 are wrong, only a hundred are right. So if we train ourselves to eliminate the wrong answers as opposed to search for that right answer, we become better law students. We have a better chance to pass that bar exam. Now, essays are important, don't get me wrong, but multiple choice would be your top priority. Nobody gives a how good you briefed. I know the ARC at Cooley will tell you this. I know some professor will tell you this. Nobody gives a flying how well you briefed your cases. All that matters, guys, is game day. Game day is your final. There's one thing that's going to make or break you in law school. That's your finals. Got to be the multiple choice. Second thing you want to do. Go to Portal. At Cooley, it's called the Portal. Different schools might call it different. But the Portal is where every essay your professors have is. Download those essays. Before you even know the material, start reading the model answers. Because the model answers are going to tell you what the trends are. The trends are the issues. The issues that actually come up. If you get familiar with the trends and you nail the shit out of your multiple choice, you're going to get through law school. Now we get to the bar exam, we have a different conversation, okay? But right now, if you're in law school, you first termers that email me and call, guys, I don't care what your professor said, no offense. I want you to kill your multiple choice. You may be the most brilliant mind in the world, but if you don't conquer multiple choice, you're not gonna have a chance to practice law. That's not fair, but that's the system. You have to control the system. You control the system, you control your future. St. James, ah, kicking it back to Ventnor. St. James Christmas show. So, okay, St. James and Ventnor, New Jersey. Now some more people tune in. Bill's talking shit about Jersey. Woohoo! A little bit. Every year at St. James, we had these Christmas shows. And we would sing, we would dance, we would perform, whatever. And the people teaching these Christmas shows, I don't think there could have been a group of less talented people if you tried. You had bitter teachers, many of whom didn't have a college degree, were teaching. 
not knowing their subject matter. And then they would all of a sudden have like a fine arts aspect of things. Imagine a blind man teaching you how to dance. Probably not going to be great, right? Well, that's what St. James Christmas shows were like. You had a group of sexually frustrated teachers who would make you practice to do their version of what good singing and dancing was. It was like a weird cult on steroids. It really was. And here's where things get really f***ed up. At St. James, they always had their chosen ones, right? So, as you can imagine, I was not the chosen one because I used to ask questions. There was no room for free thought at St. James. So here's what would happen St. James. They would choose A, B, and C. So A, B, and C were the talented kids. Here's the problem, guys. A, B, and C really may not have been the talented kids that the blind dance teachers, the analogy I gave, they weren't really right about that. It would be like a football scout who, instead of picking somebody who had speed or good hands and could tackle well, they liked the way the jersey looked on somebody. Let's invest millions of dollars in that. Okay, It was really bizarre. So the chosen ones would be big deals at St. James. And when I went to high school, people started talking about, wait, these aren't really talented people. So the ones that were the chosen ones, they got this stark reality afterwards. Like, holy shit, this person's really not that talented. And then the walls caved in. It's amazing to me. Who wrote that fucking script at St. James? My God. I mean, I know Miss Connell didn't realize about Egypt and where it was located, but I mean, she really been in charge of singing and dancing too? My God, man. So, what I equate, I, I recently had a situation where I ran into somebody who I was in mock trial with back in the day. I won't mention the individual's name. And they're not a lawyer today. In our mock trial team, we were state champs my junior year, and we lost in the state finals my senior year. And mock trial was a big thing. It was... Um, the wealthy Jewish kids from Oregon and me. <laughs> so, <laughs> this one kid talked about how he had higher stats. We'll use stats. He had higher stats than me at mock trial. And I guess that bothered me. And I was like, um, you Googled me? I, I know people hate that, but. <laughs> See, guys. If you allegedly were better than somebody in high school, but then they were better than you in the major leagues, it's kind of more important at the professional level, right? And by the way, I think I was the best on the mock trial team. I never lost a competition. And I'm sorry, I, you know, my arrogance is up today. I was in Chiawas, they hang with a friend. I won't mention the friend's name, but the friend used to be an enemy. And the one thing the friend slash enemy and I have in common was this insane amount of self-confidence and arrogance, and we always bring it out of each other. So to my friend, you know who I'm talking about, you're watching right now, I think, we're gonna be all right, man. <laughs> we're gonna be okay. And it was great seeing you. Almost to the goal line, bro. Okay, so now that that happened, Josh Strickland, I hope you're feeling better. I will send you this content. And you can shake your head, because I'm sure you'll be thinking this guy's f***ing nuts. I was already pretty sure about it. This is helping. Josh Champlain, me and you on the podcast. It's time more people got to see me and Josh together. It'll be really cool for us to just double team some stuff. And that's what we're going to start doing as much as I can. All right, guys. I'm Bill Amadeo. And I approve this message. 
The proceeding was a paid presentation by McManus and Amadeo PLLC. Listeners of this program should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. No listener should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information within this program without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation. Listening to this program using any associated website or related links or resources does not create an attorney-client relationship between the listener and host, contributors, or contributing law firms. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this program are hereby expressly disclaimed. You and your loved ones deserve a criminal defense firm that believes that your life and freedom are worth fighting for. Matt McManus, Bill Amadeo, and the McManus and Amadeo team of attorneys, investigators, and case managers will take the lead with a vast knowledge and legal experience across the state of Michigan to get the best possible result for you. Learn more at McManusAmadeo.com. Schedule a free consultation 24-7 by calling 800-392-7311.